Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast. I know we literally just came back into existence and instantly Tugas couldn't be here. That's <laughs> just how it goes sometimes. Oh, it's awesome. Gotta love the weather up in uh, South Dakota, man. I can't really blame this one on him, but I want to, so it's his fault. It's it's 100% his fault. What do you mean you can't blame it on him? I mean, true. We have the power to do so, and we are doing that right now, so that's that's cool. So last episode, we were talking all about the XFL running down week one of the games and stuff. That's all cool and good, but I don't give a shit. I am here for draft coverage. I'm kidding. (laughs) felt fun. But draft coverage is my bread and butter. And I couldn't restart the show without dedicating entire episodes at a time to talk about the the draft. Uh, Not necessarily from an NFL perspective. Here's the thing. More from a college football perspective, as in we'll be going over prospects in conference order. really a how they performed in college approach to this as opposed to you know necessarily team needs trying to build out some big boards by you know this guy projects really well in this scheme fit in the NFL how do they actually perform in college and I think that's a little bit of a different angle than some of the guys you're going to be listening to big names like you know Mad Mel and Todd McShit. So I, I called him out right now. Let's go. Let's fucking go. Bring it on. You want to come on the show, defend yourself? Feel free. You know? <laughs> We're going to shame you to coming on to our show, <laughs> which I fully approve of, by the way. So, of course, we're going to be talking about the NFL draft. It's the biggest draft of all drafts. No other draft in any league is hyped like the NFL draft is for pretty good reason too. actually it's one of the only drafts where rookies can make a instant impact for your team in a big way and we don't really see that in too many other sports so we'll be doing mock drafts what what are you thinking over there I mean you get the offs like LeBron or there's there's I mean there's like one of those guys like hockey every dudes year there's about four guys. and instantly get thrown in the AHL for three years. That if you get drafted, not... <laughs> I think I think here's a better here's a better thing you could say because the MLB draft is its own fucking monster. Right. Hockey, if you're not drafted in the first round, you're probably like your chance of making the NHL goes down significantly. The further back, True. just in the first round you're drafted, forget the rest of the rounds. There's only two rounds in the NBA draft, and you're right. You have a LeBron that makes an instant impact every now and then. Yeah, like but, maybe the first five to ten picks that are ma- going to be instant players, maybe. Right. Uh, called, you know, you're either a lottery pick or you're a, a draft in stash. So, <laughs> but the NFL draft, I mean, we consistently you see guys, guys drafted in the third, fourth, and fifth round that are starters and and I mean, really dang good at it, too. I mean, like, yeah. look at Tariq Woolen last year in. I had an argument to be the best corner in the entire draft. There were two taken the top five. He was taken in the fifth round. So it's there's great talent all over the place. And, you know, football 
football is very fun. So uh, we, we get to talk about it more with the draft process. It's great. It's a good time. So we will be doing a couple of mock drafts this year. Today will be a pre-combine mock draft, and then we will do kind of a midpoint mock draft between this one and the actual draft. The week before the draft starts will be our final mock draft live on air. So if you want to tune in for those, highly recommend it. Come check us out live right now on Twitch at Big Dudes in the Trenches. Uh, also on YouTube under that name as well. But you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts as BDT Football. So we will talk a little bit about kind of the vibe of the class, the positions that are really strong before we get into the mock. But before we even get there, a whole different league had their own college draft uh, yesterday. <laughs> Which was interesting for i <laughs> yeah i mean i don't understand why the xfl again just seeing what the usfl had done last year with their draft decided hey we're going to do ours with no fanfare either and just do it on social right. media um i mean that that have been a simple hey this is how we're going to do it this will be a great opportunity and then the USFL turned around, did the same thing again with their rookie draft this year. Now, I will say the interesting thing uh, for both of these leagues uh, going forward, the XFL, I hope will do something like this next year and maybe maybe get a little fanfare into it. You got a team in Vegas. Vegas was a great NFL draft site. Just saying. Right. Uh, but. You know, there's there's a couple ways to look at it, right? You know, th certainly I think there were players drafted in this USFL draft, and I'll pull up the first two rounds here now that we're talking about it anyway. Uh, there are players that were taken that probably would get drafted in the NFL draft. On the other hand, there are guys that probably don't have a shot of getting taken in the NFL draft, and playing in the USFL in the spring does not preclude them from joining a team uh, – in the fall, going to training camps, mini camps, rookie camps, all that fun stuff that you got to do to get ready for the NFL season and still being in very good shape going into the regular season. I will say it does kind of preclude you from going to rookie camp, which does kind of fall in the USFL season to an extent. So it would be really difficult for these guys to do both this year. But we've seen two players already come out and say they're signing with the USFL. Uh, actually, the Michigan Panthers first two picks here so that's pretty cool and just a little bit about what you were talking about you know the the rules of this draft you can definitely be selected here and still be picked in the NFL draft then you can choose which one you want to take right so this is not necessarily just a draft for this season this is a draft if this player ever plays in the USFL you have that player's rights. I think that's a really interesting way to do it, and it gets the USFL brand out there right at the start of draft hype season. That's kind of kind of good marketing that the XFL is not doing yet again. <laughs> I mean, the XFL is playing games, which I think is as good a marketing, if not better. There, it's it's too. Kind of like we were talking about with just how what we saw unfold in the XFL games. There's just two different schools of thought between the league, the leagues, uh, and we definitely see it play out. Uh, 
different schools of thought between how how some of these teams drafted as well. Definitely. Jarrett, number one overall, Jarrett Horst. I mean, he said he's going to play in the USFL, but that dude was looking like he was an NFL prospect. To some extent, uh, not like high on anybody's board, I'll say. But yeah, there's definitely potential there. A bunch of these guys I've thought could have been selected in the NFL draft. Mason Brooks is a big example of that. I I love that guy. Uh, Former Western Kentucky player out at Ole Miss now. I mean, Tyler Scott is a really fast receiver. I will be shocked if he doesn't get drafted off of his 4-2-something at the Combine alone. Tanner Morgan, yeah, probably not really going to get an NFL shot. Lindsey Scott Jr., potentially in a UDFA conversation just because of the insane numbers he was able to put up. Chase Bryce, maybe that same kind of a deal. So you have a real weird combination of you're drafting for guys you hope you can bring on this season, but also, you know, if, if they don't make it through NFL camp, they come back to your USFL team instead of just being the free agent pool. So I love a lot of these players actually in the, at the top of this draft. Anyway, I'll be honest, bottom of the draft, there are some dudes they're pulling out. Nobody's ever heard of. (laughs) And and I think that's where a lot of people, myself included thought most of this draft was going to be, it was going to look like these later rounds. Uh, But the top of the draft, there's a decent amount of people. Lindsey Scott is the one that sticks out the most to me, Lindsey Scott Jr., that he's put up video game numbers all through his career, uh, no matter where he's been at. So doing well, something like for that. LSU, but he was also like fifth string. So Yeah. Doing something <laughs> like that in the USFL is only going to increase his draft stock for the right. NFL, uh, right. or which I guess at that point he'd be UDFA time anyway, but – for Lindsey Scott Jr., if I'm him, I'm sitting here like, okay, yeah, let me see if I can get some playing time, get some reps against better competition again, light it up again. Somebody will come calling for him. I certainly hope so. I love that guy. But like Malik Ham, if you've been watching our show for a while, you'll remember that name from a prospect preview that I did in the season. Malik Ham's incredible. Uh, Quentin Barrow out of Grand Valley State, huge guy has the frame for the NFL. He's probably going to get drafted off of that alone, to be honest with you. Uh, Justin Ford is a fantastic corner out of Montana. Isaiah Bolden as well out of Jackson State. These are really great players that just, for a couple of reasons, either the, the talent level around them and their competition level, or they were missing a physical tool. They're not as high on draft boards for the NFL, this is a great opportunity for them to keep building that resume and just keep playing football. Well, I can tell you what Adrian, Adrian Martinez's issue was. Yeah, there's multiple issues with Adrian Martinez. It was, it was mostly <laughs> Scott Frost though. He was great at Kansas state. So maybe this is, he's kind of in a similar boat as Lindsey Scott, I would say. I mean, he was great at Kansas state until he got hurt. And then now it's, he's like a little bit of an injury concern too. So he yeah, needs this. a couple he needs things this. of balance there. Let's move on to rounds three and four. Any names that really stuck out to you here of guys we should keep an eye on? I am a University of Louisville alum. I I knew that's where you're going. Uh, Malik Cunningham is – he is a 
he, he's very much in the Luis Perez mold. He's going to drive you insane, but a couple of times a game, he's going to dot something up and going to be really fun. <laughs> Uh, I really love Keaton Mitchell out of East Carolina, too. That's a huge name for me here, actually. I think he is incredible. Darius Davis is one that sticks out to me. That wide receiver room for TCU was incredible this past season. Obviously, he's not the top guy, right? I think the USFL GMs are at least smart enough to realize we're not getting top guys here. But I think that's a great pick You could have drafted Bryce Young. Just shoot your shot. I mean, might as well, right? You never know. Didn't didn't John Elway get selected by the USFL? So just I mean, it happened. <laughs> it happened. I will say, you know, I understand where they're coming from too. Uh like keeping the draft order the same. I was a little surprised that there wasn't a snake just because there's no guarantee these guys will ever play for any of these teams. Yeah, but at the same time, you have had a season already, and so just put them in and Michigan was the fucking worst. So. They were so bad. Uh, you may have noticed, though, New Jersey Generals did not have a first-round pick, which that happened because of a roster move violation in the offseason, and so their pick got moved from the first round all the way down to the 10th round, which, oof. Wow. But also, they just won a championship, so who cares, I guess? <laughs> Keep moving it right along to rounds five and six here. A couple of names that I really expected would be more NFL draft than USFL draft, even down here. So it's kind of a balancing act, I think, between, again, trying to get guys who you can play this year versus guys you're trying to, hoping will eventually come join your team. Like Isaiah Land has to be drafted in the NFL. Come on. Uh, Jose Ramirez out of EMU is one of my favorite edge rushers in this class, which, I mean, he's probably going to be a very late day three kind of a guy, but still, I fall in love with those kind of guys all the time. That's just me. Uh, Dante Stills is another one of those type of players where I just, I fell in love for some reason, and I do expect he will get an NFL shot. So there is a balancing act, like Dejon Warren, even cornerback out of Jackson State. He's a great player. You're hoping that maybe he gets drafted and just not to the right scheme fit, right not to the right culture fit, gets dropped. Let's go to the USFL for a season. Why not? Kind of a deal. I will say that was it's very interesting. This is the second corner taken from Jackson State in this draft. Right. So right, I, and I think the, the better one went second. So it's well, <laughs> a little bit of that balancing act. And I'll say, too, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this affects Colorado's draft prospects for defensive backs in the upcoming years as well. I so. mean, they have the number one corner from previous year. They have the number one corner from this signing class. They have the number one corner from the 80s. So, I mean. Right. <laughs> right. Number one Falcon uh, in history. <laughs> yeah, he kind of it was it was challenged a little bit by a couple quarterbacks, but one of them went to Green Bay and the other one did some illegal shit. So yeah, yeah, one of them's got that dog in him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, seven and eight. <laughs> Whew, God, we're gonna, we're gonna leave that one alone here. <clears throat> I'm looking at Pittsburgh here. The Maulers, first of all, changed their colors to black and yellow. 
as all Pittsburgh teams do. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh move right there. Uh, but they pair up Taylor Grimes with his college quarterback. And this was Grimes' best season. This was Lindsey Scott's best season. Makes a ton of sense to me. I don't really think Taylor Grimes is going to get a lot of NFL opportunity out the gate. So he's probably a guy going to start for you like this year because he is pretty good, just not on NFL radars for whatever reason. Uh, same with like Trey Shropshire. Shropshire. Out of UAB. <laughs> yeah. The fun, the fun name to pronounce there. Uh, and then a couple of bigger names, in my opinion. I don't know if they're actually bigger names around like non-college football freaks, uh, but Grant DeBose, Jake Bobo, Adam Corsack's probably the best punter in the class this year for the NFL, even. So to see him going in the USFL draft, special teams works in mysterious ways. Anything could happen. I would bet Adam Corsack's playing the NFL. Especially if he does well in the uh, USFL. I don't see any NFL team drafting him. I don't see any NFL team drafting a punter in general. Um, it but. happens basically every season. So there's two really in this draft class, Adam Corsack and Michael Turk out of Oklahoma, who are kind of in that draftable range. Uh, some people like Turk better. I happen to like Corsack better, but maybe that's a Big Ten bias. I don't know. <laughs> I guess Rutgers is technically in the Big Ten, even if you know nobody wants to count them. Hey, so is Jake Bobo in a couple of years. <laughs> Moving right along. We'll get into the last couple rounds here. Round nine and ten. Jim Okafor, that one, that Acora name just four. stuck out to me. I know. There's been an Okafor around football for a long time. And uh, I think you're thinking of Chuck or Chuk, who's on the Steelers right now. Um, I think this is his younger brother. I think. Oh my goodness. There's so many. <laughs> but Akorafor is a name we've seen before at offensive line positions as well. So that's fun. Um, you want to pronounce the, the Illinois guy? I know you know how. You got to. Pazaliski. It's pretty close. You. I'll give it to you. <laughs> and we saw a Southern Illinois player get selected as well. Shouting out your your boys there. Antonio Going to Fletcher. Memphis too. To Memphis, yeah. Yeah, Excited it's stuff. a it's a beautiful thing. Uh, you got to see. We don't have it. There's a there is a graphic that Fox put out tracking every school that had a player drafted, and. Uh, not seeing Memphis on there was a little interesting, uh, but seeing SIU on there was was very nice. I you know I I can't really pinpoint anybody that I would think from Memphis uh, that would be drafted to the USFL and not the NFL, uh, but that kind of goes into a portal and experience discussion as well. You know, this is not a Memphis podcast, but they I mean, are kind of a Quindell Johnson's on the line, honestly. I could see. Yeah, it. I think I think the injury 
he took this year probably puts him on the line. If he had played a full season, I would say he's an NFL guy for sure. But I more of my point, and I think Memphis, because I look at them the most, and you're looking at you know Big Ten where all these guys are really going to, if you're a good player in a group of five school, you're more than likely not graduating there unless you are just devoted to that program. Right. Um, and so that's – Or if you graduate in three years. That too. That too. So uh, that's just – that's the state of college football right now. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Good question. We'll find out, right? Another name I do want to shout out before we move on here, though, B.J. Thompson out of Stephen F. Austin, another beast of a dude. And Stephen F. Austin had a really great season uh, with a couple of really exciting players. I hope we see a couple of them go in the NFL draft. Um, B.J. Thompson, probably not one of them, but I do I do like that guy, too. Uh, going to Birmingham. So that's the only team that got any love last year <laughs> in the USFL since everybody played in Birmingham. So maybe... <laughs> Maybe starting a little fan club there would be cool. Uh, oh, actually, Starling Thomas, too, staying with uh, the Stallions. I I like Starling Thomas, another guy out of UAB. Um, it's cool to see some of these guys. You know, there, there's every single season. I, I end up falling in love with guys who probably don't even get picked up UDFA. And so being able to see them get drafted somewhere still feels cool. <laughs> Got to be honest. Even if it is just the USFL, I mean, come on, it's the USFL. It's still awesome. Yeah, it's you know, it's something. <laughs> no, I'm not going to be mean to the USFL. Uh, anyway, so hopping out of the USFL draft into the NFL draft, um, a couple of things to talk about before we get into a live mock for you guys. So I kind of going through what this draft class is really going to look like, what it's going to feel like this year. I think there are two positions where I am very comfortable taking players almost anywhere on the board. And that's running back and cornerback this year. Both those positions are, really deep and I like a lot of guys for a bunch of different reasons too. Actually the top end corners in this class, like the first round type projection corners are all huge and freaky fast, which is really cool. That doesn't happen very often, but you have some smaller guys in there too. You have some nickel types in there, but this is a, this is a really like freaky cornerback class as in like athletic freaks. It's, it's going to be really fun to see this class, what they can do in the NFL. And kind of the same with running backs. There's a bunch of different styles here in running back. But at the same time, some of them are just extremely gifted at something. And all the way down the board, you have bruisers, you have speed guys, you have pass catchers, you have the one guy in the class who can do literally everything and be John Robinson. That's why he's projected first rounder. But then down the board, day three guys, I still really like. What do you got? You thinking? Uh, 
Yeah, you know, if anybody listening wants to help be our editor, I'm trying. I was pulling stuff up to write a marker for myself. Um, (laughs) So I'll just, I knew you had it. So I was letting you go with it. Yeah, this, again, I think we're in this this window here where we're going to be seeing just incredibly deep classes because of COVID. And I think we probably have another two years at least of this, if not a third. Um, yeah, it's, I'm just looking through the picks on the, the draft engine we're using. If you want to shout them out, Doug, uh, no free ads, but, uh, NFL mock draft database simulator, no free ads. Um, you know, I'm looking through here and it's like, like you said, (laughs) it's like you said, a lot of these guys just absolute athletic freaks and it's, it is hurting some guys draft stock and others it's helping. But at the same time, you've got a mismatch, mish, mish, mash of pretty much everything you could think of pretty deep into this draft. It's kind of the same with wide receivers, too. You have really interesting opposite ends of the spectrum at the top of this class with a really big guy who's pretty fast, a smaller guy who's a really skilled route runner, a possession receiver, a couple of really speed guys that's all they do uh that's all over the place not too many traditional x type receivers in the classical sense of that term but you have a lot of talented guys who can fill very different roles and i think it's really interesting to see something like that even with linebackers you know the top two linebackers kind of consensus right now trenton simpson drew sanders you cannot get more diametrically opposed as types of players. I mean, Trenton Simpson's practically a safety, and Drew Sanders is maybe maybe the best comparison right now is Nick Bolton, and he almost won Super Bowl MVP. So I I think very highly of Drew Sanders, but it's that kind of a linebacker as opposed to a really great coverage guy in Trenton Simpson or a Noah Sewell who can pass rush from – interior and like has that kind of speed and agility maybe hasn't shown it all the time in Oregon, but I think really could if given the opportunity that this class is extremely deep at a lot of positions. Actually, I think the deepest though, going back to my original thought corner running back, those are probably my two favorite positions in this class. It's definitely going to be interesting to see how this all how this all shakes out in the end, but I, I think you're right. You know, I think you look at corner, there's just guy after guy after guy and not a ton of difference until you do get into that day two, day three range. Mm-hmm. It's, it's odd to see this many corners available. Uh, it is nice to see some quality edge rushers and defensive uh, linemen in general. In this draft, not something that's been as hyped up in the past couple drafts uh, like we've been used to seeing, but we've got multiple guys near the top of the draft uh, on that defensive side of the line. And even a couple offensive linemen sneaking their way up there in some draft boards as well. So it's nice to see the big dudes in there. Uh, I think the value of all of those things is becoming more and more prevalent and noticeable, uh, even as the game is kind of shifting to more of a, hey, just – throw the ball to the quick guys 
a lot more fans are starting to realize if you can't win up front, you have nothing for your team to accomplish. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing you can do if you can't move the ball. So it's uh, – I don't know. This is a, this is going to be a, another another deep class, kind of like last year, again, because of COVID. I think you're right. We are going to see that again next season. I don't know about beyond that, honestly. We're kind of coming out of the the automatic sixth-year eligibility, whatever, waivers. Uh, but I don't know. It's uh, it's it's changed a lot of things. NCAA is changing very quickly, so we may see some – Could see some real crazy shit if you believe a couple guys on Twitter, so. Well, right. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> but feel free. <laughs> uh, so I think the best thing to do here is actually just go ahead and get started. We will dive into more about individual prospects in later shows. Stay tuned. Next couple of weeks, we'll be going through like conference by conference of draft prospects and talking about how we would rank these guys in comparison to the rest of the class. But for starters... It's probably most fair just to kick us off with a first-round mock draft here. Uh, ben and I will go back and forth, pick by pick, doing it completely live. I haven't prepared for this other than just knowing who these guys are. I don't have a list in front of me, so it is a little bit live. That's I thought that'd be fun. Uh, now it's kind of making me sweat a little bit, but that's all right. Hey, whoops, we <laughs> fucked that one up. But... uh no, I think it'll be I think it'll be a good time. I do want to ask you, do you have a coin available that we could flip? Yeah, I've got a coin. Uh-oh. I've got a couple. Uh-oh. Hold on. That's uh that's an intimidating look to the side and quick action. We are going to flip a coin to see who gets the first overall pick, essentially, is what's happening here. This one will work. All right. Okay. <laughs> you can see that. We'll call that heads. And on the reverse, we got the Air Force logo. We'll call that tails. Okay. You want to call it? Uh, tails. That that was a bad flip. Yeah, that there was we go. terrible. That was awful. It was one of the worst flips I've ever seen in my life. I thought about grabbing my Trump coin. Don't worry. It's heads. Okay. Now, oh. would you like the first overall pick, or <laughs> do you want to go second? I can't. Here's okay. Here's my legitimate issue: is that I can't trade. Uh, right. That is kind of a rule that we have when we do these mock drafts live. Uh, no trades allowed. And well, that honestly, at least for this first one. Yeah, at least for the first. <laughs> we might one. change that later. Uh, that is honestly what makes the most sense to me for Chicago. However. Right. Uh, in my opinion, if they Deep. have to draft first, uh, there is there is a clear choice, which I'm sure you will agree with it. Um, but I kind of want to go second because I want to talk about Detroit a little more in depth as well. So I think we'd probably be on the same page for number one overall. So I'll take I'll take the evens and you can take the odds. That's risky. That's risky for you, I got to say. We'll see what I do as the Chicago Bears, number one overall. 
Uh, but right, we're not going to trade in this one. Yes, it makes all the sense in the world for the Bears to try to get out of this pick and accumulate as much draft capital as possible. I think there are two realistic moves here for the Bears. Number one, trade back one spot. There are going to be teams clamoring to get up past the Texans for the top quarterback in this class. I do believe that is Bryce Young, and I do believe there is a little bit of separation between him and the rest of the quarterback class. So if a team wants Bryce Young, they would be jumping Houston, who also wants Bryce Young. They would probably give you number two, probably a second rounder, maybe a second rounder next year, maybe like a third rounder next year. Maybe you're getting a player in that as well. Like a Brandon Cooks would make a ton of sense for you. And I think Houston might be looking to get out of that kind of older receiver who's on his second, third contract at this point. Honestly, I don't think he's old enough for a third contract, but he probably is on a third contract because he's moved around so many times. But that's the kind of move I could see happening. The other move that's very obvious to the point where everyone's talked about this one to death is trading back to number four with the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts need a quarterback pretty desperately. I think they can stick at number four and take one of a couple of great options that would probably fit them better than Bryce Young. But I don't know how their new head coach is going to view the position. Maybe Bryce Young is the only quarterback for them. Maybe they're they're desperate and they're going to trade you number number four, number 35, a first-rounder next year, and Quentin Nelson. I mean, who knows what they're going to do. It's hard to turn that down. a lot of people like hoping and praying they could get Nelson and Pittman for number one overall. I was like, I don't – I don't – and number four, I was like, that's too much. That's not going to happen. Right. I doubt it. It's going to be more than – I doubt it's going to be more than one player if it's any player's. Most likely you're going to be collecting a little bit of draft capital there, which is still fantastic for you. But in a situation like this, where we stay at number one and we haven't gotten off of the number one overall pick for six minutes, uh, milking it like the NFL does. (laughs) (laughs) Even though we all know who it's supposed to be. Now here's the reasoning, which I think is fair. Jalen Carter and Will Anderson Jr. are probably the only two. I hate calling anybody a surefire pick. That's impossible. You never know what's going to happen. Sure. But from what we understand right now, there are two guys who are head and shoulders above the rest of the defensive side of the class. Then you have the quarterbacks and the rest of the offensive guys are getting selected later anyway. The Bears will be in a position to get on the board with an offensive player later if they want to. There are two guys at the top of this draft who are just, they're different. Now, do you go with an interior defensive lineman who has a lot of athleticism, pass rush ability from the interior, or do you go with an edge rusher who showed you he can do it with the best of them, put up like 30 sacks last year, not not this past season, but the season before. And that's in an SEC schedule. I know we make fun of that sometimes, but it is legitimate. There are some great offensive lines down there. They're, they scheme around out playing, have, having to play Alabama. 
and Will Anderson got there anyway. So two fantastic defensive players. I think you have to go Jalen Carter because finding an interior defensive lineman like this is more rare than finding an edge rusher like Will Anderson. We have seen a player of Will Anderson's caliber or better almost every draft for the last five years. Not saying that's going to happen every season from now on, but I think there's more of those type of players already in the league, and we can kind of project that's a high-profile position. Kids love playing that. So if you can get a huge, freaky athletic guy, you kind of have to start there. We're going to take Jalen Carter at number one overall, and it took me nine minutes to do so roughly. And <laughs> Congrats. You're ready for the NFL. I completely agree, Thank you. though. Thank you. Um, it's pretty simple. Akeem Hicks by himself, he's, 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 he was listed as a defensive end his entire career, but he's finally right. started to be known as a defensive tackle. Adrian Peterson, uh, uh, Dalvin Cook, they could not run on him. Like the, the Vikings in particular had an awful time running against the Bears when Akeem Hicks was in the game, and so did everybody else. So I think that's the the Bears' inability to stop the run was an issue. I have a hard they, time running against Akeem Hicks. I'll tell you that exactly. <laughs> uh, the Bears' inability to stop the run with the absence of Akeem Hicks was glaring. Now their lack of pass rush was an issue as well. You can scheme different pass rushes. You don't need to have a guy right. like Will Anderson. Well, and you can blitz defensive backs. I mean, there are exactly. there are a lot of options there. Exactly, uh, but. I you know I couldn't agree more with Jalen Carter one overall. That takes us to me picking for Houston. They've telegraphed uh, this pick for months already. Everybody knows right. who was their number one quarterback selection over anybody else. Now that Lovey Smith is gone, it's not General Mills and his ten foot long neck. Uh, it's Bryce Young. That's that's the direction that the Houston Texans are going to put their future in. Yeah. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. You kind of have to move on from Davis Mills at some point, eventually. Uh, he performed well enough to get you to the number two overall pick. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's time to move on and start actually rebuilding this thing. Uh, you have two first-round picks this year. I believe you have two next year as well. Let's Let's start this rebuild off with a bang and get – probably the best playmaker in this entire class, regardless of position. I'm honest with you. Bryce Young's pretty fantastic. That gives me the Arizona Cardinals at number three. Another really obvious pick, but I feel like it is the most logical for the Cardinals. Will Anderson has the potential to be the best player in this class. They just had an edge rusher retire. In yep. JJ Watt, it uh, it kind of fits perfectly. Given yep. him Will Anderson Jr. Yep, uh, that takes us to Indianapolis, and this is where things get interesting, right? Because they're going to go quarterback here. They've telegraphed this for a while as well. Yeah, but you really have two options. I don't even know why Anthony Richardson is starting to get into different conversations, but he is. He's charted as a first round prospect. 
in several different places. Uh, yeah, we might and have to talk about that. We, I probably have a couple more quarterback picks coming up personally. So, yeah, uh, I'd have a couple more odds. coming up. <laughs> yeah, I'd have a couple more coming up before Anthony Richardson. I can tell you that much. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, there being two starting Ohio State quarterbacks, though, because I think C.J. Stroud is the one that makes the most sense. I could see Will Levis being the answer, but I also see that as his agent is going to make him the answer versus him actually having the talent. I'm going to give the Colts a little bit of credit here uh, and say they're going to take C.J. Stroud there. So very chalky to start off the draft, um, but yeah. not not super unexpected, I don't think. Yeah, there's a very big debate between Will Levis and C.J. Stroud, and I think it's a lot more legitimate than I gave it credit for a month ago. Will Levis has a lot of the traits that you look for in an NFL quarterback. He doesn't have production on his side, like collegiate production. You have to consider the offense he was playing in. It's a run-first offense and he just straight up didn't have a wide receiver on the roster basically is what it felt like so you have to take some of that into consideration he has a very strong arm he has good footwork he has the size those are things that nfl teams are going to covet almost more than anything they can coach the rest you can say it that way uh but the the extreme fundamentals of the sport and the size that you just straight up it's impossible to coach uh will levis has those things and same with anthony richardson he has some intangibles and some pure athletic ability that teams are really going to like a lot is he the most raw of the potential first round quarterbacks probably so i also think it's debatable he puts up throws sometimes better than cj stroud did there is also an argument Stroud had a tendency to like probably overvalue his accuracy at times, which worked out because he had Marvin Harrison Jr. to throw it to, who could bend over backwards seven times in the same play and find a way to catch the ball 40 yards to his left. Dude is insane, should have won the Blitnikoff Award. Stroud would fit it in between three guys because they weren't looking at that exact moment and get it to Harrison who made it the most freaky athletic play you've ever seen in your life to be able to come down with it. I don't think that's really going to work in the NFL. So some of Stroud's production, you have to take with a grain of salt as well. I do think he's an extremely talented quarterback. There is some debate and I do understand it to an extent, uh, but let's move on to the Seahawks. So Another another milker. <laughs> uh, the Seahawks have a couple of really big needs. I don't think quarterback is one of them this year. I think you probably oh, wait on it. Because Geno Smith played so well, and you still have Drew Locke on a rookie contract. Now say what you will about Drew Locke. Pete Carroll has shown he can develop guys. Geno Smith never looked this good in his life. I kind of trust the process in Seattle on that side of the ball. I also think corner is still a huge need for the Seahawks. 
that they just took Tariq Woolen. He played like a potential defensive rookie of the year. There's nobody else in that secondary, right? In, in the cornerback room, they have a safety, but even that's like a old school style safety in Jamal Adams, right? So maybe try to rebuild that defensive back group. Maybe try to rebuild that defensive line, which is probably a little bit more the Seahawks style at the top of the draft every year. They seem to love taking corners on day three and just turning them into monsters. They've done it several times now. I'm going to take an edge rusher here. And I'm going to take the most Seahawks pick possible in the extreme athlete who has some good stats, but at the same time is more athlete than technician at this moment. And that would be Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech. Extremely long arms. Really fast, uh, just a great athlete more than anything. And he uses that to win sometimes in college still, but that feels like something the Seahawks like to take. So let's just give it to him. I mean, I can't, I can't debate that a ton. I like everything you had to say <laughs> there. Because uh, I, I was honestly curious where you were going to, uh, where you were thinking the best place for Seattle to go. There are a ton of holes and I completely agree with everything you said yeah. about quarterback right now. Depending on how Geno Smith does this upcoming season, they might be okay at quarterback until they feel they need to move on from Geno Smith, which could be in three, four, five years. Right. Uh, while they build the rest of this it's team possible. up. So I would expect them to look for a developmental quarterback at some point in the near future, but it is possible that Geno Smith keeps up this kind of production. Yeah. So I, I agree. Uh, the lions, man, they're really starting to look like a complete team. And this is what I wanted to take uh, the lions pick here because there's a lot of different ways they could go. I don't feel like they're locked into having a need at any given position, right? I feel like if you wanted to say there is a position they absolutely need somebody, maybe that's receiver, but even DJ Shark looked better this year than he had in years past, right? I, I don't know what Dan Campbell's doing up there. I don't know uh, you know, if he got some of Mike's secret stuff or what, but Jeff Okuda looks significantly better. Aiden Hutchinson came in and made an immediate impact. This is probably the most complicated they have that, pick. They have that interior defensive lineman, too, rookie. He did really well, and I forget his name right now. Uh, he was a late-round pick, and he came in and just he, – he looks like a legitimate NFL interior defensive lineman. I don't think defensive lines is actually a huge need for the Lions right now. Exactly. Maybe you're looking uh maybe you're looking linebacker here. I think that's the only place I can pinpoint. Like looking through everything. We've talked in the past about how they were building up their offensive line. We've you know, we've talked a little bit about how the receiver room looks to have worked itself out. I'm looking through looking at the receivers right now. I don't see anybody that like Quentin Johnson would be nice. But how mm-hmm. is he going to fit into that room? I don't see anybody at the top right. of this draft that's going to fit nicely into this wide receiver room. That takes us to, you know, running back. That room's kind of – that's a pretty full room, and it doesn't seem like there's anybody that's really going anywhere. 
Maybe yeah. they could go tight end, but that would be insane to take a tight end at number six. When you look through, well, and older, considering they just took TJ Hawkinson at, in the top ten and then traded him, <laughs> yeah. So I looking through their defensive side of the ball, it, it seems like having somebody solid in that second level would be kind of where they wanted to be. Now, immediately yeah. the guy that would come to mind would be Henry two hundred two. 202, 222, I, whatever. That's the guy that would immediately come to mind when I think linebacker. Uh, I, thank you. I haven't yeah. done a ton of research. Into I just forgot let you live in it for a minute. That was fun. That's uh, fair enough. I haven't done a ton of research <laughs> into this clearly. Uh, but when you go and click on linebacker and kind of look at this, there's a couple guys listed here Trent Simpson, Drew Sanders, Noah Sewell, mm-hmm. and then 202. Jack Campbell, number six overall. And Jack Campbell, exactly. <laughs> I mean, even DeMarvin Overshone might be an interesting guy for them to take. He's clearly not a first-round talent, uh, just a, a very recognizable name for I'll me. i real least. with you. You can take linebacker at 18. I yeah. promise you. <laughs> and that's what linebacker. <laughs> but that's what makes it tough, right? Right. Because then I'm looking, all right, where else do I – what other need do I really have? My biggest position of need probably for the Lions would be another corner. I know Jeff Okuda has been playing better. Actually, as weird as it sounds right now, I think Jeff Okuda might make a lot of sense for the Lions down the road as a safety. And if you could get some more corners in the room, maybe you open that up a little bit. That's me personally. You know, you take it or leave it. It's your pick. I think you're right there too, though. Looking back at it, Jeff Okuda is legitimately the only corner that they've got right now. So then, which corner do you want? Because there's oh, fuck uh, the Pac-12. We're going with Devin Witherspoon. <laughs> Devin Witherspoon has been rocketing up boards in the last month or so. Uh, He is probably the most complete corner prospect in this class, in my opinion. Christian Gonzalez is the freaky athlete, kind of what we've talked about before. Uh, Joey Porter has some inconsistencies at times. Devin Witherspoon is a really rock-solid corner, and he's it feels bad to say it this way. He is almost the Jeff Okuda of this draft class. Hopefully he doesn't take a couple of years to develop like Jeff Okuda did. Uh, but I think that is the the type of player you're probably getting there. Really great in man coverage and just a solid, consistent corner. So that takes us to the Las Vegas Raiders, who... Just released Derek Carr, so cornerbacks quarterback is definitely on the table. I mean, cornerback is too, but that'd be really weird since they need a quarterback. <laughs> they, got, uh, they got a lot of needs. Another potential pick that nobody's really talked about all that much from what I've seen, they could go offensive line here. They need a lot of help in a lot of different places, and offensive line is a position where – they 
haven't invested all that high of draft capital all that recently. And mm, Alex Litherwood just didn't work out for him for whatever reason. Well, he doesn't count. So <laughs> with the emergence of Josh Jacobs to be the first round running back that they thought he was when they drafted him there, it might make a lot of sense to take a guy who can clear the lane for him. I'm going to take Will Levis. <laughs> That's where we're at with this. Yep. Love Good it. luck, Las Vegas. I, I do feel bad for you, but I That's also true. kind of get it and doesn't mean I like it. <laughs> That's such a Vegas move. Uh, I'm up next thinking about the Falcons, man. That's another team that I, just kind of needs everything. They need everything. I would say if you want to give Desmond Ritter a good shot here, he's got Kyle Pitts, who's a great weapon. Mm-hmm. He's got uh, Calvin Ridley coming back. I expect Calvin nope. Ridley. He's not. No, Calvin Ridley is on the Jaguars. <sighs> what the fuck? I thought he was coming back from the suspension. When did that shit yeah, happen? Yeah, he got traded. Oh, that's right. Suspension. That's right. And the Jaguars <laughs> might never get to see him play because he might not have gotten reinstated. Right. That's right. <laughs> Which makes uh, the Jaguars pick in a little bit really interesting. Because <laughs> they're probably their biggest need is wide receiver, but also they're getting Calvin Ridley back, maybe. So yeah. Anyway. I would say though they just took the, Drake London last year. That's their their the biggest Falcons did take London. Yeah. See, because I would think quarter or wide receiver would still be where you'd want to go. They kind of need everything, but they also kind of don't. They were in contention to win the NFC South, and yeah. they were, uh, you know, Tom Brady got Weirdly the call enough. away from winning the NFC South. <sighs> Needing everything, though, I I couldn't tell you who – I couldn't tell you a single guy on that defense. I couldn't tell you an edge rusher on that defense. I think you're looking best available, and that's Miles Murphy, according to this board here. Yeah, there are – mixed opinions about him at the moment. Miles Murphy is really high for some people and really low for some other people, which has been an interesting development. Uh, I, I'm excited for his combine. I want to see him maybe gain some momentum back because so I do think he's a good player. The Carolina Panthers are up next. They also need a quarterback. They need everything, man. Um. Funnily enough, I think B. Sean Robinson is an option here. Uh, <laughs> it'd be it'd be fun. I what what position? I I think the only positions you can rule out is secondary. Right. We've That's we've said it. this. We said this about Carolina for a minute that they're defense, probably not drafting a defensive end either. You have Brian yeah. Burns there and. What else do you need? <laughs> An offense. <laughs> right. That'd be ideal. Well, that's that's a luxury. <laughs> we got defense and we got NASCAR Hall of Fame right around the corner. What else do you want? <laughs> Some wins, probably. 
you know, just saying. Gosh. I mean, offensive line is definitely possible. I don't see it happening, really. It's probably going to be a quarterback. I wouldn't be all that surprised if the Panthers try to trade up and get Will Levis. I know that their general manager has been pretty vocal about liking Will Levis. I don't know if that's a bunch of malarkey, pre-draft malarkey, like they like to do sometimes. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take Anthony Richardson here, and I really don't think it's a terrible move, even though he is pretty raw. He has an incredibly strong arm. He is the fastest quarterback in this class, even faster than uh, Bryce Young, and is a lot bigger. Can probably take a little bit more of a beating that Bryce Young can, which, I mean, Carolina and Houston both, you need to be able to take a beating. To be honest with you, I was going to say Carolina's bad for that, but Houston's probably better for that too. So good luck, Bryce Young. Anyway, <laughs> I do think they're they're going to be pretty desperate for a quarterback here. I really wouldn't be surprised either if they go hard after one of these free agent quarterbacks, Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr to Carolina would make sense to me, even though they're not connected right now, as far as most like rumors are concerned. I see, I see both those guys as a possibility for Carolina. If they don't get him, they're going to draft a quarterback. And I think Anthony Richardson is a first round grade. So take a shot. Fair enough. Absolutely fair. Uh, looking on to the Philadelphia Eagles here. Uh, it says their top needs here are corner and edge, or maybe it's corner running back and then edge. I don't think running back's a need for them, by the way. I, maybe you want a better guy than Miles Sanders to be your number one. They've think, got a pretty solid running back room, though. I think Miles Sanders is a potential free agent is the reason that would be up there. So you have two corners who are potential free agents. You have almost the entire defensive line who are potential free agents. So depending on who you can bring back is really going to determine your needs here. I think yeah. it's just – it's a crapshoot. What do you want to go with? Yeah, it's and I would say with what we know right now, I guess just go with what the top one is. Uh, maybe, maybe the insight here is they're least likely to re-sign these corners, even though the I reason think, the defense got exposed in the Super Bowl was a scheme yeah. issue and not a talent issue. Yeah. Um, so. Again, I think it's more likely that they can't afford both corners at the same time. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, so but with with that, yeah, we're just which which one's your favorite here? Christian Gonzalez, Joey Porter. We could even go down a little bit. There are some other good corners that could theoretically get in this range. A lot of people really love Keely Ringo. Still, uh, Cam Smith's a really physical guy. I do like physical guys, but I like picking Big Ten players over Pac-12 players while I can, so we're going to go with Joey Porter Jr. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, wow. I hate that Christian Gonzalez is probably my CB1 personally. <laughs> so this is 
<laughs> anyway, Tennessee Titans. Uh, don't really need a corner, unfortunately. <laughs> no, they, they need offensive line help. They really do. Now, here's my theory on the top offensive tackles in this class. I know I've told you and I've told Tug this a couple of different times. I haven't told our audience yet, so welcome to the club, guys. Uh, there are three offensive tackles at the top of this class that are all really fantastic, but they all fit very different needs. You're looking at Paris Johnson Jr., Peter Skaronsky, Broderick Jones. I think all three of them have the potential to be the first tackle off the board. It depends on what you need. Broderick Jones is huge and will beat you with size and just pure physicality, pure strength. That's fantastic, uh, it, especially in run blocking. Sometimes doesn't work that well in pass blocking because you need a little bit of finesse there sometimes to contain those pass rushing moves. Peter Skaronsky is the ultimate technician. He has shorter arms. We've seen that in a recent Northwestern offensive tackle. Uh, Rashawn Slater did very well with that setup. Peter Skaronsky, same school, same, roughly the same size arms, actually, same position. It's the, the draft comparisons are inevitable. Uh, but he is a master of this craft. Just a phenomenally sound offensive tackle prospect who has the size to potentially move inside to guard too, if you can train him on that. And I think he's capable of doing that. So if you want a little bit of versatility and just a great pass blocking technician, get Peter Skaronsky instead of Broderick Jones. If you need a little bit of everything, here comes Paris Johnson Jr. Who's probably the most well-rounded player uh, at least offensive line prospect in this class for sure. He is pretty dang good at everything you would ask of an offensive tackle. So what do you do with that if you're the Tennessee Titans and you need an offensive tackle? I would think that we've seen what your quarterback situation is like and it ain't good and you don't have any wide receivers there. So you're your whole offensive identity is still going to be give the ball to Derrick Henry 30 times a game, which sounds like you would like to take a guy who's great in run blocking. I think Broderick Jones is the first tackle off the board here to the Titans. Yeah, I we like you said, we've had this conversation several times. That's why I started looking around, already looking to what I think <laughs> right. Houston should do. Uh, and I, I couldn't agree more. You can't even start to change your identity to a passing identity if you don't have somebody to protect uh, Ryan Tannehill from getting absolutely murdered right back there. So uh, I think Broderick Jones, yes, he will help in the run game, absolutely, but a big body's a lot harder to get around. So uh, I think uh, I think he will help in the pass game as well. I think uh, Broderick Jones is also the youngest, which that could helps. be a big selling point. That helps. Now, I will say the Texans are in an interesting spot here. Wide receiver listed as probably their next need, edge, offensive tackle, looking to fill those as well. I looked a little bit further down. I think running back, if they want to have any type of run game, would be a position they would want to fill here. Uh, 
Yeah, potentially. They but do I'm have also... Damian Pierce, who kind of came on strong. Oh, yeah. I mean, you never know. But what I will say is taking a wide receiver here doesn't make a, t- a whole ton of sense to me, considering they have two young receivers who, by the way, their youngest receiver who they drafted last year, John Mechie, guess who he played with in college, the quarterback they just right. took at number two overall. That's true. So that being said, we are going to stick on the offensive side of the ball. You just spent all that time talking about these two offensive tackles. Paris Johnson Jr., he's a better pass blocker, right? I feel like that's going to be kind of the identity of this team going on or going forward. I see you, I see you shaking your head back and forth. I think Skaronsky's probably like technically – like mechanically better at pass blocking. I think Paris Johnson is better athletically at pass blocking. It's, it's, what are you looking for? It's like scheme fit almost for your offensive line. What do you need to do? My personal take, my personal opinion of where I would go on this too, uh, is I'm going to go with the guy who was in an offense in college that pass that was more based on passing the ball and had a much more lethal passing attack. Fair enough. So that Definitely takes me straight to Paris, Paris Johnson, Johnson Jr. There. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I've had this happen to me several times in mock drafts of on my own, and it's happening live. It's going to happen again. Three straight offensive tackles off the board. <laughs> Uh, here's the thing. I think Peter Skronsky actually is the best fit out of the three for the New York Jets because not only do they need assurance at the offensive tackle position, assurance and insurance. I don't know why I said assurance. I think both are true. Anyway, uh, you have some injury concerns there. You also probably need to look at a potential move inside to guard. Uh, for Peter Skaronsky, just because of his arm length. I know Rashawn Slater worked out as a tackle, at least so far for the Chargers, with his shorter arms for the position. I do want to see what his combine comes in at, those measurables, because schools lie about this stuff all the time. But even if he does stick at tackle, that's still a big need for you. If he moves inside to guard, that's still a big need for you. And getting that versatility is something that it seems like the Jets do really value. Look at Elijah Vera Tucker. So Peter Skaronsky is probably the best fit here, not only position-wise, but also to the team. Absolutely. That takes us to everybody, everybody's absolute favorite team. Some might call it America's team. I'm not, not talking about the Cowboys. Yeah. I'm talking about the New England Patriots. I know it's yeah. Tug's favorite. Love it's, them so uh, much. You know. Oh, they're so great, and I think Bill Belichick is starting to see that maybe he's not doing the best job at this whole thing. Uh, things have really started to fall apart in a bunch of different ways. So it's interesting to see how this is going to work out. One thing that I do know, though, is that Bill O'Brien did a fantastic job with the Texans when he had a top receiver. He had a pretty good quarterback, too, but he had a great guy yeah. at wide receiver. 
in DeAndre yeah. Hopkins and then for whatever reason decided to Bill Belichick himself and trade him away because he wanted to overthink things. You look through the Patriots roster right now, there is not a single top wide receiver in that room. Sorry, there's just not. I think that's probably a bigger need than the defense right now. You can't put points on the board. It doesn't matter if you stop everybody. All it takes is one and you're fucked. I'm going with Quentin Johnson. I do like Quentin Johnson. There are, like we've talked about, different receivers in this class fill different needs. Quint Johnson's probably the best blend of everything you would look for in a receiver in the first round. So it makes sense. I think personally, Jordan Edison's probably more of the Bill Belichick kind of guy. But if he hands some of that off to Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien would definitely draft Johnson first. Exactly. So that takes us to the Green Bay Slackers. Who are definitely not taking a wide receiver. And I'm going to take Jackson Smith and Jigba. No. <laughs> <laughs> they would never do that. Come it's on. a wide receiver. Why would they take a wide receiver in the first round? They want to make sure Aaron Rodgers leaves for good this time. I actually think Aaron Rodgers probably is gone. Like more, more likely than not that Aaron Rodgers is not playing for the Packers next season. At this point, I'm not going off of a whole lot personally. I don't have any sources for this, really. I just, this is kind of my gut feeling. I think because of that, you're putting Jordan Love in a very interesting situation where who are your top receiving threats? Uh, I don't really know. I, Still don't think they take wide receiver here, but I do think they take tight end with big Bob Tunyon. I don't know if he has a contract yet, actually, and he is actually a lot older than some people realize. He's over 30 already. So tight end makes a lot of sense here. I'm going to take Michael Mayer, who is probably the kind of the Paris Johnson of the tight end class here, where he's the probably the best at everything uh, overall. But Dalton Kincaid, Luke Musgrave are great pass catchers. Darnell Washington is huge and just a freak athlete. There are some great tight ends in this class. It is theoretically possible that we see like three tight ends go in the first round, and I really wouldn't be that surprised. These are some great tight ends. Just positional value, they dropped on the board a ways. I think Michael Mayer is probably the best overall. That's the direction I'm going to go here. I think he makes a lot of sense, and he definitely helps Jordan Love get his footing with a big, reliable target over the seam, over the middle of the field. I think that would be a great pick. Yeah, uh, I think if I'm Washington, I can't get this pick in fast enough. If Christian Gonzalez does actually fall this far, um, right? Yeah. Uh, this is a this legitimately is a massive need for the Commanders at cornerback. They underperformed this year. I think they probably do need a quarterback at this where they're drafting. This is not where I'm going to take a quarterback. If I'm looking for a guy that maybe I use in the future, um, but if I'm looking at Every all things considered, corner is a massive need that I think needs filled for them more than anything right now. They couldn't get that pick in fast enough. 
think you are definitely correct. If it's not Christian Gonzalez, which it could be, anything's possible. I don't know. My board isn't the same as NFL teams' boards. Uh, if it's not, it will probably be a different corner at this spot, like uh, Cam Smith. If if Keeley Ringo falls, that's definitely on the board for them. Uh, they they do tend to like those big athletic guys. Christian Gonzalez would be a perfect fit for that kind of a system. You know, Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera has some specific really, likes needs. <laughs> I really wanted to take Cam Smith, but I you would have. I probably would have seen your head explode if it's, I did that. I, I think Cam Smith would be a great fit in Washington, honestly. <laughs> uh, might have taken Christian Gonzalez at pick 17. <laughs> and I don't know if I am going corner now that Christian Gonzalez is off the board. They, the Pittsburgh Steelers do need a couple of different things here. Honestly, the biggest thing they need is to get younger. Uh, pretty much across the board. <laughs> yeah. They started that process with Kenny Pickett, who is already 37 years old. So that that was getting younger, though. Good for them. <laughs> I There are a lot of different ways this could go. Um, hmm. I don't want to give them an edge rusher. They don't really need the defensive end threat because they have a TJ Watt. I would say the interior of that defensive line is a big need because just because of the age, not necessarily because the talent's even declining so far that we've seen. Probably corner is their biggest need right now. I don't know. This is another team that actually probably needs a lot of things. I'm going to go corner. I'm going to go with a very Steelers move and give them who uh, the corner who could very easily end up being the best in the NFL in five years, which is Keeley Ringo. He has all the athletic tools you could w- ask for in a cornerback. He has some inconsistency against Ohio State. Right, We saw him get kind of cooked by Marvin Harrison Jr. The issue there when you're evaluating this guy, that's Marvin Harrison Jr. And I don't know that there's many Marvin Harrison Juniors in the league right now. So as far as developing as a corner, I think he has all the tools you could ask for and give him a couple of years. He will be, he will be great. And that's a, that's a very, Steelers or Ravens type of pick where they just take the best best guy that everybody kind of knows is a great player and just falls on the board for stupid reasons. <laughs> that's, that's how they keep winning the division. Not anymore, that, though. The Bengals, Bengals got too many number one overall picks. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that moves us right along to the Detroit Lions, and I'm going back to what I said earlier. I think linebacker is probably more of a need than this site wants to give it credit for. Uh, I'm going to go with Trenton Simpson. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting selection if they do go linebacker. I don't know which fits Dan Campbell's mold more. I don't know that we've seen either style in Trenton Simpson or Drew Sanders, assuming those are the top two. Um, 
I don't know. Do you want more of a coverage guy? Do you want more of a thumper? Depends. I, I think the area has been so weak for them that it's really tough to say what they need more. Right. Right. Definitely true. Definitely true. That moves us on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Man, I really got to think that if Bijan Robinson's still on the board for this, the Buccaneers are going to jump on that opportunity. It they've needed they, a running back for a while, and Bijan yeah. Robinson is phenomenal. They so. love having a loaded running back room, but they also right. they also kind of need it. It's kind of it's getting that running back room's getting old. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you took Tyree Wilson earlier. You said, you know, they need corner mm-hmm. as well. I think that kind of just makes sense that Cam Smith would be the guy that Seattle would take here. Uh, okay. I don't know. The NFC West is so drastically different than it was two years ago and even last year. Right. It's it's changed so much, but I think that pass pass defense is always something that these teams are gonna be looking for. Uh yeah. because that, that's that's the West Coast style, right? That's how everybody plays and that's the way the league's gone. Uh Camp Smith has got to be the pick here. That would be breaking from form, if you will, for the Seahawks, taking a corner in the first round. But also Cam Smith's pretty dang good, so wouldn't put it past them. The Chargers, I think, mostly need offense. Um, they've been riddled by injuries seemingly every year that I've yeah. been alive. So what do you do with that? At the same time, I think they are in a position where receiver is a real need. Uh, I know they have Rashawn Slater, the other side of the line is a real need. I think tight end would be massive for them. And that's a definite hint where I'm going here because Darnell Washington is a massive tight end in himself. Uh, I think this would be really fun and honestly kind of terrifying. A massive, I keep saying that word, literally hulking tight end in Darnell Washington. I think he's 6'8", 260 or something crazy like that. And he catches the ball very well at the same time. Put that with that wide receiver group that they have right now. I mean, maybe Keenan Allen isn't there. That's a whole conversation. But I think Darnell Washington would be a lot of fun in that offense. And I want to see it. So I'm going to take it. (laughs) Can you name a wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens? Um, Deshaun Jackson. Is he, is he actually? Team? Is he? Is he, he actually? Was, he was last year for a, a period re- of time. I remember. I remember. Um, yeah. I'd... Who else? Is Hollywood Brown still there, or did they get rid of Hollywood no. Brown? Yeah, nope. they got rid he of was Hollywood Brown. to the Arizona Cardinals in the draft the same draft that A.J. Brown was traded from the Titans to the Eagles, which right. also didn't make much sense. Uh, now both the Ravens and the Titans very badly need wide receiver. Wow, almost yeah. like you had a guy and then just didn't feel like keeping them. 
for whatever reason. Uh, <laughs> I'm be honest. I had to look up who was bigger between Jordan Addison and Jackson Smith and Jigba because I don't imagine they have any big guys at wide receiver. Maybe they do, and they just yeah. suck. I mean, Rashad Bateman, without looking up, you know, metrics on these guys. Rashad Bateman Rashad is a name bigger. Sticks out That's a little bit, man. but I don't. Yeah. I don't think that. Man, now my computer's freezing up on me here. That's cool. Bomb site work. <laughs> uh, uh, when it does come back yeah. up, I, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is just a little bit more athletic. Um, and coming off a knee injury, right? I feel like the right. Ravens staff knows how to deal with knee injuries a little bit right now. I feel like he'd be in pretty good hands up in uh, in Baltimore, and I know that's kind of grim to talk about. But at the same time, I think he's more talented than Jordan Addison as well. They do have experience with Ohio State knee injuries. So that's <laughs> – I'm, I'm rooting for you, JK. Anyway, uh, the Minnesota Vikings – Almost every season, I feel like we get to draft time, and I'm like, what in the world could the Vikings possibly pick here? They need a couple of things. They're going to be at the top of the NFC North again next year, too, probably. Right. Uh, so so what do we do with that? Uh, I think the biggest concerns for me, for the Vikings, are corner and receiver, oddly enough, even though they have Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. I know everybody loves them. Adam Thielen is getting older. older. And I don't know how much longer you want to keep that guy. Uh, at the cornerback position, Patrick Peterson is getting older. And, yeah. Uh, yes, he is. And then, too, on the defensive line, I don't. you don't have anybody – under the age of 27, I don't think, on that defensive line at all. So <laughs> there are it, – It's been a minute since I've been able to name anybody on their defensive line either, which is very out of character for them. I mean, Jared Allen was on – was a right. Hall of Fame uh, ballot guy this year. Right. Is Daniil Hunter still there? Is he? I mean, one I dude. I think he – And he's, he's – Pretty mid. I'm just trying to think of, actually, I think so, <laughs> but, I, but I don't know. He's also got to be like seventy-three years old at this point. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> he puts the walker away before each play. <laughs> I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with probably the best player on the board right now which is Brian Branch. Brian Branch is listed as a safety here. He could very easily be listed as a corner as well. Probably a nickel-type guy. But Harrison Smith ain't getting any younger either. You need some help in the, the back end of that defense. I think Brian Branch has the versatility to do a little bit of everything for you, and you can kind of plug any hole that you need uh, with a guy like that. I don't know that there's a, another corner in this range that you like more. That's definitely possible, 
Maybe you maybe you really love Emmanuel Forbes. Maybe you're one of the teams that really likes Tyreek Stevenson. Or I've seen uh, he's not even in the top 150 here. Jacorian Bennett is going very high for some teams out of Maryland. That's possible too. For me, the best player on the board right there is Brian Branch. And he's also in a position of need for you. So why not why not go ahead and grab that guy? I'm up next. I think if I'm the Jaguars, I want to get more weapons for Trevor Lawrence, who's just shown just how good he is. Not that defense need, should be neglected or needs to be neglected, but you look at the N or not NFC, AFC South. Uh I don't know that any of these teams compete again this year, right? The Titans, maybe they were marred by injuries worse than any year previous. Right. Uh, so you, maybe you need to be prepared for them. But if that's the case, you don't need to prepare the back end of your defense for the Titans. So with that being said, looking at the tight ends, I think that does make the most sense. Wide receiver seems to be comfortable enough for them right now. Uh, but get yourself a receiving tight end, get Dalton Kincaid in there and let Trevor Lawrence have fun. This is a very tight end, heavy first round, but I, I actually like this a lot uh, for each of these teams. So moving on to the New York Giants here, the obvious big need is wide receiver still, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, I would say a linebacker too, but they have shown a resistance to drafting first round linebackers. So I'm not going to do that to them because it doesn't seem like a very Giants move. What kind of wide receiver would the Giants be looking at here? I know Jordan Addison is on the board, and people are going to be screaming if I don't take him, but I don't think I'm going to take him because they kind of have some of that already. They have the possession medium route runner type of guy. Uh, I mean, Jordan Addison doesn't do anything different for you which is probably what you need to insert into this wide receiver room and give it some real life. Daniel Jones has shown you he can air it out a little bit better than even the Giants themselves probably thought uh, a year ago. He's also asking for a ridiculous amount of money. Which he probably gets because he's a quarterback. So where that puts me is I don't think Jordan Addison is exactly the best fit for this offense. I think you take a speed guy. Now, do you go with Jalen Hyatt or do you go with Zay Flowers? For me personally, Zay Flowers is better, just in my personal opinion right now. I think it a big part of this will come down to the combine. Let's see how these guys run and see how they can catch a ball from different quarterbacks. Maybe Jalen Hyatt just had something really special with Hendon Hooker for some weird reason. That's theoretically possible. Uh I like Zay Flowers a lot. I'm going to take him here at number 25 for the Giants. So beautiful. Uh, The next team up, the Dallas Cowboys, also need wide receiver. And I think they've been stocking up at the position for a while, but they haven't really hit on anything. I mean, CeeDee Lamb's fine. Uh, You're going to get hate for that. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, really, you go through their wide receiver room, everybody's just fine. They Noah also Brown don't. Brown is fun. He's not like great, but he's he's yeah. fun to watch. <laughs> they also don't really have that tight end target anymore. 
And I, while I don't think Jordan Addison has the size, I think his route running and hands and traffic are where he's going to be able to be potentially yeah. uh, a good red zone threat. And so I think that's where the Cowboys will go for this one. It's still wild to me that they continually need wide receivers because constantly their wide receiver room is always talked about of how good it is. But yet again, here we are taking another wide receiver for uh, for the Cowboys. I think Dalton Schultz is better than you were giving him credit for just there. But yeah, they had Amari Cooper and CD Lamb together and then just flipped Amari Cooper for a fifth round pick. And he went for over a thousand yards in Cleveland of all places. So dumb. (laughs) Absolutely dumb. Great, great decision there. The Buffalo Bills are up next. Here's the biggest problem for me drafting for the Buffalo Bills. The biggest positions that they really need the most usually don't have first round grades associated with them. So what do you do? Uh, running back, is there a guy that you like after Bijan Robinson? I know most people like Jamar Gibbs, Jameer Gibbs. I've heard it pronounced both ways. Um, Not first round like. I, some people really do, and some people think there's he's probably there's, the best of day two. There's but. one, but I don't see Muhammad Ibrahim. I don't see how you give him a first round grade anymore after the injury and after right. you, you production. You can't. The potential's there, though. Get him in a. I mean, the potential's a, there for A Chain. The potential's there for Charbonnet. The potential's there for Tank Bigsby. I mean, I love Tajay Spears. I'm not giving any of these guys a first-round grade. I like Keaton Mitchell. I mean. Yep. Yep. I mean, way down the board, Dwayne McBride's incredible. Anyway, way off track there. Other big position (laughs) of need, I think you ought to consider the back end of that defense. You had some injuries there. I understand that. Uh, not just talking about the DeMar Hamlin situation, although that's a consideration as well. The only reason DeMar Hamlin was playing is that you had other injuries to that secondary and you have brought up your, your backup safety. Uh, that might legitimately be a position of need now simply because of the things that have happened to that room. And again, I just took Brian Branch to the Steelers, or not to the Steelers, um, to the Vikings, and I don't think there's really another safety that's worthy of a first round grade. I know you're at number 27. A lot of the time, you're out of the first round grade guys anyway. But I don't want to reach for something too far here. Interior offensive line. There's a big debate right now. Is Osiris Torrance really that dude, or should you go out and get one of these centers? John Michael Schmitz or Steve Avila and potentially plug him in at guard in the meantime. I don't think the Bills have a great center situation, but I do think you probably have your center set for the next three years anyway. Do you really want to draft a John Michael Schmitz or a Steve Avila with that situation as it is? Or even a Joe Tippman, Luke Whipler. I mean, all these guys are centers. Do you really want to go in that direction? Is that a first-round type of player for you? Um, 
because of that, I'm actually going to go offensive tackle, which, again, I don't know that these guys really have first-round grades right now, but I think the combine is going to jump off the page for literally everyone when they see Dewan Jones in action. This dude is insane. I think he's actually six foot nine, which is very nice. He's also like 420 pounds, which is very nice. <laughs> and you think I'm joking. That might be legitimately what he weighs in at too. And he moves. Paris Johnson Jr. is the one of the top three tackles in this class. He told the coaching staff, hey, I will volunteer myself to play guard for a season. If it means we get DeWan Jones on the field, he is that good. We need him on this team, starting for this team. DeWan Jones is a, just a insane human being. I don't know how a person like that exists in this world. So after the combine, we might see some some real love for this guy. DeWan Jones to the Buffalo Bills. In a, in an interesting move. I don't think tackles anywhere near the top of their needs, but it's it's probably one of their most valuable needs, the, the positional value. I don't know. There's a couple of different ways you could go there, but have some fun. Why not? Fair enough. I would love <laughs> I would love nothing more than to grab another tight end, and that would be uh Luke Musgrove, if I was to go tight end for the Bengals, because tight end is absolutely a need yeah. in Cincinnati. Uh, but you know what else is a need? They still have not addressed to the full uh, extent that I think most people would like to see them have addressed it. Uh, that's offensive line and offensive tackle in particular. Joe Burrow didn't die the past two years. That's been nice. Um, but... I would still like to see the offensive line solidified before continuing uh, to build up the rest of the offense. That puts us at Anton Harrison being the best available offensive lineman uh, as far as protecting him from the pass rush, right? I can definitely see it. They've also shown a pretty severe allergy to drafting any offensive lineman. So it's – yeah. <laughs> It's possible they do go tight end, but that would mean that we actually had four tight ends in the first round, which would be didn't, crazy. Didn't they take like five or six sacks as well, though, in the oh, yeah. uh, AFC Championship? I mean, that's got to be sticking out in their minds because they they should have been in the Super Bowl, right? I mean, right, right. So, I think the New Orleans Saints here. It's kind of a similar situation to what I was talking about with the Steelers and with the Vikings. Their biggest problem right now is they just need to get a little bit younger. And I think especially on that defensive line, like Cam Jordan's still phenomenal. I'm not trying to replace him at all. But I think he is 33. That sounds right. I mean, they don't last forever, unfortunately. Um. I got to get somebody on that defensive line. So 33. That's impressive. Hell yeah. So who do I go for here? Do I take an interior guy? Do I take a defensive end? 
I, I truly don't know in this moment. <laughs> if I'm looking at it, if you if if my opinion matters to you, looking at the NFC South, I don't see a running attack that intimidates me right now. I think I am the running attack that should intimidate anybody well, of the NFC. Well, I don't South. know so, if uh, Alvin Kamara is going to be able to play. Maybe he's going to be indicted. Uh, also, you just saw the Buccaneers draft B. John Robinson in this, this scenario. That's true, and their offense would be very run-centric. Uh, however, I am starting to get a little bit more worried about the lack of pass rush that I have and the aging pass rush that I have with Cam Jordan. Yeah, I would lean towards uh, an edge rusher. So then the question is, do I want to go with a more established guy or do I want to go with a the true potential gamble of Lucas Van Ness? Here's the thing about Lucas Van Ness. He never started a game for the Iowa Hawkeyes, and he's still being considered as a first-round talent. That's how weird Iowa is and how great Lucas Van Ness is. Just as a purely rotational edge piece. I'm tempted to go BJ Ojolari here. Keep That's him in state. It's very fun. Um, I think I'm going to go Nolan Smith instead, who is probably, I think he would be in contention for the top 10 if he didn't get hurt at the time that he got hurt. And he's he's missing, missed a few key uh, resume pieces at the end of his Georgia career there, but he is a phenomenal player. And I think the Saints would be very happy with that. So we talked about earlier uh, with Philadelphia. I agree with everything you said about uh, New Orleans there as well, by the way. Um, We talked about earlier, though, that this is really coming down to a money thing. So I think if they – if they draft a corner, it means they got the running back rooms figured out. If they draft a running back, it's probably B. John Robinson. We're probably trying to figure out what corner to get. So this is going under the assumption that they get the running back situation figured out. So then you got to look down a little bit and see what is more of a need for him as far as edge versus defensive line versus interior defensive line. To me, it seemed like they were the first team in a little bit who had a hard time getting to the quarterback in the Super Bowl. And, you know, I'm going to keep talking about the Super Bowl. That was the biggest game on the biggest stage, right? Where did they fall short? And to me, it seemed like they were not getting the pressure they needed to from their rushers. They were having to bring in the blitz. They were having to do different things to put pressure and make reads tough. They weren't getting all the pressure that they wanted from their edge rushers. Now, this does kind of put them in an interesting situation with uh, Nolan Smith going the pick right before them. Do you take a flyer on a guy like Lucas Van Ness, or do you want to go with somebody more established? In my opinion, I would want to go with somebody more established. But you've got a very talented group around him. You've got a very talented defensive group, offensive group. This team is very very talented and very good right now as it is. I think that would be a place that a guy like Lucas Van Ness could absolutely thrive 
even if you are having to have him as a bit of a rotational piece. So makes sense to me. I think anywhere on the defensive line would be helpful for the Eagles. I think they're got like five free agents on that front. So mm. they need to get to work there. And Dominican Sue ain't getting any younger either. So let's let's figure it out, Eagles. Uh that brings us to the Kansas City Chiefs, which technically this is the last pick of the first round. The Dolphins, of course, had to forfeit their draft pick uh, in the collusion scandal. Collusion. That's, that's a great story. Uh, the mock draft database does give us a full 32 picks anyway. You're not being cheated here. So it would have been the Bears again, but they traded stupidly for one of the most bum-ass receivers in the world and gave up a whole-ass second-round pick for it, which essentially now is a first-round pick for it. So, good job. Good job, Bears. (laughs) I think Kansas City Chiefs have two needs, and I think they're at edge rusher and at wide receiver. Uh. We don't know who's going to be there at receiver for them next year. I think they had two different guys on one-year deals there with Juju and MVS. I believe they were both on one-year deals. Correct me if I'm wrong. But either way, I think you could still use another receiver in that room. Also, Edge rusher has been a need for them for a while. I know they took George Karloftis last season. I think you could still use another edge rusher. I really wouldn't mind that move. And the way defenses work anymore, you rotate that position anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's the way of the world. So, do you take potentially? a speed guy to fill that Tyreek Hill role. Not that he's a Tyreek Hill type player, but in that kind of role in your offense, just get down the field and catch the ball, find the ball somewhere in a Jalen Hyatt. Do you take a little bit more of a route runner, a little bit more of a pass catcher than Jalen Hyatt, not just a speed guy in a Josh Downs? Do you try to get your wide receiver one settled with Kayshawn Booty or Rasheed Rice? I think both of those guys could be phenomenal X receivers eventually, even though Booty has some attitude adjustments necessary, I think, based you off of You could say this is attitude is Booty. I would say that personally. I also think edge rusher is probably the more valuable position to the Chiefs right now, just the way they've been operating. It seems that way to me. Again, going off a gut a little bit there. There are a couple of guys at the top of this list on this website where I think would make sense. Um, I don't know what order the Chiefs will have them in, obviously. I'm not going to pretend that I do know that. I'm going to go with a guy that I personally like a lot. I'm going to go with Keon White out of Georgia Tech. He is... He's a really great player, in my opinion. And I think the Chiefs have shown they're willing to take a little bit of a a risk at times with their first-round pick. I mean, 
I think Karloff just fell in their lap to some extent. But at the same time, the Chiefs live dangerously sometimes. So why not take the unknown to this point? But Keon White, I think, is becoming more known around draft circles. And it's probably going to show out in the combine. Looking forward to that. Before I get to the the final pick of this mock draft, uh, we did have somebody redeem some some points in chat here. Say something nice about your rival, and Doug, they uh, they chose you, my friend. Ooh, do I have to? <laughs> Okay, how about this? I'm not going to say their name. The team up north still. I refuse to say the bad word. But your center, which you can see on the screen here, double O. <laughs> you ain't even touching that, huh? Alusagon, Oluwatimi is probably my favorite center in this class, even beyond John Michael Schmitz and Steve Avila. And I know I just hyped them up as potential first-round guys. This center is sensational. That's all you get. That's enough of that. I'll allow it. I'll count it. Uh, And part of that was because I'm kind of sitting here. This is technically the first pick of the second round and i believe when the draft comes around this will be how it plays out it will not be you know first round or whatever right this will this pick the pittsburgh steelers pick at number 32 will happen on day two day two yeah so if i'm pittsburgh and i'm looking at this i i think they do have to get younger pretty much everywhere i think wide receiver is about the only place they don't i'm surprised running back Mm -hmm. isn't listed as more of a need for them by this uh by this side as well some people really like Najee Harris I it's not that I don't like Najee Harris it's that something about a single running back room makes me uneasy um and even if you have a guy like a Najee Harris or I don't know a Saquon Barkley I've been beating that drum for like three fucking years at this point but I digress uh I think if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, you're looking at you're sitting here like, oh my God, we've got three, four, you know, potentially five first round graded guys. We can't really go wrong anywhere here. Uh Brian Brees, Breesy, I feel like is a pretty pretty good way to go here. I don't know. You goofed it twice. I, you give it two it's shots not, and you're it's wrong. It's not Breeze or Breezy. Nope. Breezy? Breezy's pieces. <laughs> Is it Breezy? It's Brian Brizzy. I, I wasn't going to get that. I know you weren't. That's all right. <laughs> all right. So I think that was a pretty fun first round. We went into a fair amount of detail on each of these picks. I think for the next mock draft, we won't go into nearly as much detail because we will have already talked about a lot of these guys in our kind of more prospect breakdown e episodes. Uh, 
stay tuned for those next week. We'll start off with the SEC. So a lot of dudes on that list. Uh, a lot of dudes on that first round, actually, on that list. So if you have any comments about this mock draft, I'd love to hear them. This was all live. It's kind of our understanding of the class right now. Uh, kind of scrolling the screen again, if in case you're watching us or either live or on YouTube. You can see this class once again. But uh, that was a good time. Interesting moves in some spots, but that's what you're here for. <laughs> I, I didn't hate it. That's cool. That's good. It's a step in the right <laughs> direction. It uh, is definitely tough. It's not something I am used to doing. Uh, I'm normally just the the reaction guy when it comes to yeah. mock draft time. So, well, when Tug's back, you can be the reaction guy again. I know you. I for that I one. need to be. <laughs> That's all right. Hey, before we get out of here, though, I did want to pull up the combine schedule because we do know it now, and I think it is worth talking about to an extent. I know this is really small. If you're watching this, I'm sorry that it's this small. Uh, I didn't know that the schedule was out until like half an hour before the draft, before, before the show started. Uh, yeah, I know what I said. So uh, also, this schedule has probably been out for a long time, and I'm probably really stupid, but I hadn't seen it laid out like this until about a half hour before we started. So here it is in this very tiny format. What you need to know is defensive line and linebackers will go first. Their workouts, on-field workouts, start on Tuesday, March 2. They're going to be there a while before then for all these exams, interviews, measurements, on-field workouts start Tuesday, March 2 with defensive line and linebackers. Every day after that, we'll have a different position group or two doing those measurements and on-field workouts. That's probably the most exciting part for us bystanders. We don't get to be in on the interviews and that kind of the stuff. Underwear, medical information. So it's measurements, on-field workouts, Tuesday, March 2 for defensive line linebackers. Uh, I definitely said Tuesday this whole time. It's definitely a Thursday, March 2. <laughs> All good. That's what I meant. Friday, March 3, we'll have defensive backs and special teams. Saturday, March 4, is quarterback, wide receiver, and tight end. And then Sunday, March 5, is offensive line and running back. So this weekend, we get the offense. Thursday and Friday, we get the defense and special teams. So stay tuned for that. It's We got a little bit of, a, like a little bit of time yet. We'll have a whole other episode before these workouts really get underway. But it's coming. It's coming pretty soon. Actually, orientation is this weekend for the defensive line linebackers. So combine's coming up. This is this is the real time. This is real, real draft season now. Uh, I know the Senior Bowl calls themselves the start of draft season. It's even that's preparation for the combine. So <laughs> this is we're getting going. This is the most wonderful time of the year. Fantastic. I love everything about it. <laughs> but we filled up 
two whole hours talking about draft stuff for both the USFL and the NFL. And I don't have anything else to say. Finally, it took that long. Actually, I do have a lot more to say. That's why we're going to have a whole lot more episodes about the draft. That is that is why the draft is going to be going on for or draft coverage is going to be going on for quite some time. Yeah, but hey, listen, we got like ten weeks or something, so I got stuff you know. planned. Stay tuned, folks. It'll be all right. Uh, if you do want to see kind of just a visual breakdown, if you're an audio listener, you can head on over to our Twitter. I just tweeted out live uh, what our nice official mock draft was nice little link from that website there so it'll take you there and you can mess around your own do your own mock drafts on there as well uh and if you want to follow the show other places if you want to support us first and foremost you can always subscribe or donate bits on twitch however we also have the option of going to patreon.com backslash bdt football and you can help support the show there as well uh, if you're looking for us on Twitter, like I already mentioned, just search at BDT football or twitter.com backslash BDT football. Facebook.com backslash BDT football will get you the same thing. Instagram, though, it is BDT underscore football. We're figuring out ways to utilize that better. If you got any suggestions, you can hit us up at mailbox at BDT football.com. And if you want to watch this video live instead of listening to us on your podcast or you just want to catch it later, uh, and see our beautiful faces, head on over to youtube.com backslash big dudes in the trenches, all one word as it is here on Twitch and the discord. Well, you'll just have to go to the description for that because it's a bunch <laughs> of random numbers and letters. So check it out. And, uh, as we'll, discord does. Yeah. We'll, uh, there, there will never be a good discord link. So, uh, you can hop in. We've got all kinds of different rooms in there for different topics. Uh, whatever you want to talk about football related, we probably have a room for it. And if we don't yeah. hit us up and we'll get it added. Definitely. With that though, my wife told me earlier that I have two major faults. I don't you listen to much spring football leagues and you're not good at mock drafts. Well, actually what she told me is I don't listen and something else. That is reasonable. <laughs> but we do Intux thing. <laughs> Fuck no, get me out of here. <laughs> Peace out, Girl Scout. We will see y'all on Monday. <laughs> <laughs>